I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, I have an amazing guest on today's episode of Beauty Bosses, the incredible Frederick Fikai, serial entrepreneur and hair genius. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Laura. I'm so happy to have you. Well, great to be here. <laughs> so you're officially a beauty boss now, if you didn't know it. Well, that is a great title to have. I'm, I'm going to put that on my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the new Instagram handle. Um, so I sh- I'm sure that many of our listeners know about you because your hair products are omnipresent. They're all over the place. Um, but the purpose of our podcast is to hear about the story behind the brand and behind the man. So um, I wanted to ask you what you thought you were going to do with your life when you were 20 years old. <laughs> You know, it's a great question because I have a 23-year-old, a 24-year-old boy right now who is interning with me, and and I realize how insane it is the fact that they have no idea what they, what he wants to do. But I, I always knew one thing: I knew what I didn't want to do. You know, which is what? Which is you know, being a lawyer. Uh, you know, I was in law school, and uh, I didn't want to finish. Uh, I wanted to have a a job that was more creative, and uh, I was actually accepted at a famous school in Paris called Les Beaux Arts, and I thought I was going to go there. Except my dad disagreed, so I didn't go. So I had to go to law school, and um, then I was very lucky because uh, I come from a very modest family, and I needed to make some pocket money, and I was doing some modeling on the side. And I met an amazing stylist and makeup artist who told me to actually just fulfill my dream and just quit school, law school and do what I want. I'm sure your parents were thrilled with that advice. <laughs> well, that I'll tell you what, my dad and I didn't speak for five years. Oh my God, really? Yeah. So he was, you know, he's a tough guy and very conservative. And when I told him I was going to go and work with her, hair and makeup, he, he, he thought I was completely And you insane. left law school to do that? Yes, I did. I oh did. my God. I did, and it was the best thing I ever done. Not because of just doing hair. It's the fact that it was a, such a great journey. It was more than just hair. It was a, the, the, the meeting the most amazing people, going to the most amazing places, and also realizing that there was a, an amazing business to be done. When you start to not do hair or makeup, but when you start to make people feel good, when you start to have people that feel confident, start people, then people realize that they can have a great identity, a great look, and more important in something that they recognize, they, 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 they absorb, and, and, and you know, so it's, it's, it's wonderful. That's amazing. I love that story, though, about your parents wanting you to stay in law school because I think that that's relatable to so many of us. When I was in high school, the only college I applied to was Yale, which is where I ended up going to school. So I'll, wow. I'll bury the lead. Really? But, um, <laughs> but I applied early to Yale, and my parents kind of casually asked me, 
do you think you want to apply to any other colleges? <laughs> what if you don't get in? And I said, if I don't get in, I'm just going to become an artist. And I stormed out of, the, I mean, I didn't really storm, but I like kind of walked out in that insouciant way that teenagers do. And, um, and I think that That's it's kind cool. of cool that you, in a way, called your parents bluff and became this, you know, probably bigger than any of us could have ever imagined. You know, it was actually interesting because obviously we didn't speak for a long time, but you know, I don't think they ever realized my dad is no longer with us, so God bless him. But, but, but however, I don't think he fully understood what was my job. I mean, it, I don't think he, you know, he comes from a very small town. For him, you know, a hairdresser is a barber. Uh, it's, it, it was not just like a business. It was not a serious business. And I could explain to him, but it was just too much work. And so when did you figure out that hair was your passion? And how did that come to be? You know, it's interesting because, you know, and that's a good good thing. And people think that you have to have a gift. I don't believe in that. I believe that you need to have a passion. And I believe that you need a, um, a, a reason to do things. And I loved, I loved the fact that, you know, uh, I had... First of all, a passion for people, uh, a, a great sense of aesthetic, and I loved uh, 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 really learning from many people. So I think I, I was a great sponge, uh, understanding and learning from great talent out there. And uh, along the way, I met, and this is good luck, I'm not sure if this has happened to you, but I'm sure it's there, is that along the way, I met some of the most amazing, amazing people that mentored me. And that is, a, that is an important thing. Um, so we always keep hearing, you have to listen, to listen, to listen. And I think in my case, the fact that I met some people that was easy to listen to uh, really helped me a great deal. When you were meeting these people, was there any particular person who you met who you felt like, this person is gonna change the course of my life? Yes, absolutely. There was a, you know, a, a great stylist by the name of Bruno, who was amazing. I mean, he was so talented, uh, such a great vision, and also uh, an amazing visionary. Uh, so, so this guy inspired me a great deal. And also, you know, like everything in life, even in business, when people explain you so simply, that you, when things look simple and easy to, to, uh, to explain, easy to understand, that is a great quality, and this is what happened. Meeting this guy, he made things so simple, and uh, all you have to do is to make sure that you were ready to to apply all the uh, all the land, the learning path. When did you realize that your passion was going to extend from being a stylist to um, being an entrepreneur and creating products? And how long were you in each of these roles? You know, it, it grew organically. Uh, obviously, I loved what I did, and I was very blessed to have two things: uh, to to be um, uh, talented with customer, but also with editorial, which is very rare. Usually, hairstylists are either good on one area and not the other because it's very difficult to do both. And I managed. Don't ask me why and how. I managed to actually do the red carpet, the fashion show, the campaign, and also go to the salon. And by doing that, it was a 
amazing blessing because I could apply the incredible innovation, incredible creativity to the real consumer. And so I could wow them. And this is, a, this is how I became an entrepreneur, is by wiring, wiring my customers, surprising them. All of a sudden, I was able to also uh, attract a whole entourage around me, all uh, good staff. And so that's how it came easy to me to have a, a salon, first salon in 1989, so that's a while ago, and where I really rallied the troops, you know, and stylists, colorists from all over the place who are coming to learn with me, and uh, we create something out of the box. That's also an exciting thing, because working, it's easy, but it's finding a job where there is disruption, where there's novelty, there's uh, uh, out-of-the-box thinking. That's the most exciting. That's really amazing. In 1989, where was your first salon? So in 1989, I opened a, a salon on the seventh floor of Bell of Goodman on 57 and 5th, which is also an amazing location. And very short after that, you know, it was a great success. I mean, everybody was there. I mean, when I say everybody, it was an I mean, there was no Instagram at that time, so <laughs> so this is you had to live that, you know. Cindy Crawford, Linda Evangelista, um, uh, um, Tom Cruise, to uh, Barbara Walter, to Jessica Lang, to uh, Scarlett Johansson, to any. I mean, everybody would come. It was a, a, a um, um, how you call this um, a nest of celebrities. You know, it was amazing, absolutely amazing, and also. You know, very interesting people. I mean, we had, I mean, very interesting people. And why is because we created, I created at the time, a place where it was more, more than a salon. It was, you know, you could have snack, you could have breakfast, lunch, you could have, there was a landline because there was no, no cell phone at the time. Mm -hmm. So a landline in front of every station. So people were so... Pamper. Yeah, you have and your lunch, cup of coffee, make your phone calls, exactly. feel beautiful. Exactly. And also, we had a beauty bar, which mm -hmm. today seems normal, but at the time, nobody had a beauty bar. It was a place where you could go, and you didn't have to have your hair done. You could have gone and just get your nail and uh, maybe uh, your eyeliners and lipstick, just a touch-up on your face, and you know, and have a consultation on your hair. So it was an environment where you, we wanted to establish trust and confidence so we were there to welcome our customer to to experience a, a look an idea so it was yeah great. one of the things that i think is so amazing about your career is that to me i really associate you with taking hair from a utilitarian um, sort of job that you get done, like you go cut your hair, style it, etc., to making it into an experience. And I think that you really were part of this first wave of the movement to make hair experiential, kind of like what you're saying with the Bergdorf experience, but even in the comfort of your own home, to have the multi-system, multi-step approach and the sort of the concept of self-care is so common today on Instagram and in 2019, it's even a hashtag, but that wasn't always the case. It used to be like, you know, Pert Plus and Pantene and Dial Soap and, you know, 
SPF and out the door. I mean, not SPF even. Yeah. Cigarette and out the door. Um, and yes. So now, um, now it's totally different. But I think that that's um, really cool because across industries, sometimes the most game-changing people are ones who just reframe the way you think of something totally ordinary, like caring for your own body part, but they make it into something else. Don't you think that's a cool part of the industry? You're yeah. right. You know, and I think the, the, the thing that is amazing is to see that you know, people actually are confused, like we all are. I mean, even me. I mean, you, know, you never know what is right for you. you know, what is it that you should wear? What is it that you, how your hair should be? How, so I think when, when you have a customer in front of you and all of a sudden you tell them, stand up. You know, they're already sitting down. A customer, when they go to the salon, what do they do? The first thing they do is they go to the chair. And you plop down. It's like, <laughs> with a rub, and, and that's it. It's a mistake. So we want to make sure the rub, the rub is out. We can see them with their own clothes. So we can see a standing up silhouette. So then you have an idea of proportion. The hair, how does it fall? Uh, the volume, uh, and, and, and then the color. And then have a dialogue. And this is what it was incredible. And I think... I think this is one of the big, big, biggest successes of the, the, my career, is the fact that we sat down and gave customer ideas and a library of ideas and also explained them why it does make sense and how it, it can be maintained. All of this, they never exist before. You know, you had stylists, if they were good, maybe with diva, and they were doing whatever they wanted. Uh, but here, it was a, a really an agreement. It's like, wow, this is what you can have, and this is how you should do it. And women, I mean, were so hungry of that, you know, so uh, starving from this kind of information. And that made, that made the salon hugely successful. I was, at the time, getting a nine months waiting list. I mean, it's unheard of. Right, and that's incredible. Um, so you ha at this time, you had basically every major celebrity of the era in the salon, and um, I wanted to ask you about some of your experiences. Like, did the first few times you were taking care of a major A-list celebrity, did you feel the pressure to not screw up? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Were you trembling behind your scissors, or what? You know, how did you feel? Uh, I would be lying if I tell you I was really uh, relaxed. No, I think it, you know. It, it, obviously, I got nervous, but you know, uh, the good news is this: is that once you are, you know, confronted to a situation like this, all of a sudden you have to to perform. You have to perform. You have to to, to Otherwise, you know, you're missing it. So, uh, it, it, it's it's one of those where you you are more of a, you're not aggress aggressive, you're passive, you know, you just like talk to the customer, to your client, to celebrity at the time, figure out and, and, and do the best you can. I mean, one thing important of to be successful is to have confidence. And the worst thing to do is second guessing yourself or second guessing anybody. That That is where it's a no-no. And so, Thank God I had that. You know, I didn't 
second yes. guess myself. I was just going for it. And I think you, I was actually just asked this question about my work um, in an interview. And um, what we talked about, what we ended up talking about was the concept of flow, where you can get to a point where you're sort of doing your thing and your brain is working at the exact optimal level. It's not entirely familiar, but it's not entirely different. And you're very comfortable and confident, but calm. And that's sort of what you want to channel, right? Of course, yeah. Um, I, I kind of feel like there are two kinds of people in the world. There are the kind of people where if the shot clock is ticking and winding down, there are people who want the ball in their hands and there are people who don't want the ball in their hands. And I feel like I've always wanted the ball in my hands. Like, I'm going to try to take the shot. I'm going to try to make it. And I feel like that's sort of the same thing that I hear in you when you're talking about, you know, the the pressure to make sure that Cindy Crawford's hair looks good before her epic Pepsi commercial and, you know, that changes a generation and the way we all drink soda. So I think that's really neat. It is. And and I think it's so incredible to, to and this is what I, I would give as an advice to everyone, is to make sure that first, you know, it's so important to be prepared on anything you do. So obviously to have a, a knowledge of information, of idea, that you are curious all the time. Because once you have that storage, you know, it's like a William memory stick in your head, okay? All of a sudden, when you are exposed to a, 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 a project, a, 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 a look, then you, you, are, you are equipped, you have ideas, you know, and, and you don't get stiff, you don't get constrained by just because you have only one idea, if that idea doesn't, work out that you, 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 you're basically uh, stuck. So this way you have a great library of ideas and you can just swing from one to the other. And that's, that's the beauty. I love that. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about your business trajectory. So you have this booming salon, you know, after the one at Bergdorf's pops up, many others pop up, you're kind of the guy in the industry. Um, and you develop a line of hair products. So tell us a little bit about the products and how that line came to be. Yes, so that's also an, an interesting story. You know, and I think this is why it's so wonderful is when things are meant to be. So my customer were women like you. So they had beautiful handbags, great accessories, uh, beautiful hair, um, makeup and and they would sit down to my chair and uh, I would say, what do you use uh, on your hair? And uh, uh, all of a sudden I would hear that they would use Pert or, uh, or um, uh, Pantene or whatever at six ninety nine, And I said, and what cream do you have on your face? And that was a, a, a cream that uh, was about $300 for four ounces. I said, how can it be three hundred dollars here and six <laughs> One centimeter up from that. Yes. <laughs> and that's how the idea came up. She says, okay, hair care needs to be revised and luxurious, and that's how I came up with the hair care line that was based on the fundamental and the technology of skincare. So instead of going to the lab of hair care, we're going to the skincare lab, and that's how. I created this line that was very luxurious, and 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 by doing so, all of a sudden, you know, you had product that felt beautiful in the shower, 
uh, the people were proud to have them. They smelled good. They had a great texture. The packaging was great. And so all of a sudden, it elevated the, the, the basically the shampoo industry from commodity to a luxury. Yeah, you know, the first hair care product I ever bought that was over $20 was maybe when I was 15 years old. And it was your glossing <laughs> serum. And as you guys know, I have long hair. And I felt like, oh my God, this this is the aspirational hair product I need just so that I can get through ninth grade or whatever. <laughs> um, the, the, grade. the glossing cream actually and the glossing serum were, were our best sellers. They were, I mean, amazing. Universally, which is rare. You know, it was a product that was great in the US, great in Europe, and great in Asia, which is amazing. Yeah. So your product line grew and grew and um, at its height was really all over the world and um, doing amazingly well. And then what happened? So along the way, I needed some cash. So and so partner, as one does. <laughs> yeah, partner came along, Chanel, the famous uh, couture house and the famous uh, uh, beauty house, uh, uh, helped me, came and partnered with me and helped me really establish a great branding, a great story, and uh, and develop great product with me. And then later on, uh, they sold, uh, and uh, uh, I continued by myself for a bit, and uh, and Caterton, uh, uh, a private equity firm, came along again and made an injection of cash and capital, and then we grew again. We grew again, we extend uh, uh, internationally, and uh, in 2008, uh, Procter & Gamble acquired us, and uh, and now, uh, 10 years later, I bought it back. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. So if you guys didn't just hear that, he kind of buried the lead a little bit, but he built Frederick Fakai into this major global brand, sold it, and then dot, 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 bought it back. So well, let's talk more about this. Um, First of all, can you speak kind of candidly and um, publicly about the details of the sales, um, or is that something that you would prefer to ellipse out? <laughs> and I'm going to leave it up to you. No, I mean I think it, it was, was a, a lot. It, 2008 was an incredible success. I mean it was really a, 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 a record high sale. It was great. The company was growing a double digit, and 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 growing fast. So it, it was a, a very attractive brand to have. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, and then I stayed alone, I forgot to say this, for a few years, you know, as a consultant, but it's not the same thing. All of a sudden you are, you know, uh, as you said earlier, you, you had a ball, you can do the shot mm -hmm. here. You had to pass the ball all mm -hmm. the time. You never do the shot. And, and that is not me. And so what, how did you feel when you didn't have your own namesake company anymore. What was that experience like? It must be a little bit of an out-of-body experience. I tried to get used to it for a few years and obviously couldn't live with it, especially when I saw that the brand was not you know, performing the way I wanted. And of course, here's why I bought it back today. I mean, I couldn't, you know, I had to buy my namesake brand and, and put it back in the... I love that, yeah. Put it back in where it belongs. It's almost a romantic story, like the one that got away and then you go get them back again. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So what are your plans for the brand now going forward? Now you've got it back, it's 
you have the ball in your hands and now what happens next? So we're developing some amazing products. So first and foremost, I, I believe that it's a whole different world. We have to be more caring about what's going on. So we are doing packaging that are made out of 95% recycled plastic. And not 100% because the 5% is the color, uh, the coloring, but then 100% recyclable. So that's a number one achievement. Second is we do product that we call this clean beauty, which is product with no nasties, no ingredients that are blacklisted. So no silicone, no sulfate, no paraben, no phthalenes, go on and on and on. And it is very difficult to make really good performance product when you don't have those ingredients. So we are proud to say that today, you know, we'll be the first professional hair care that has free of those nasties and really have amazing efficacy and great performance. So that's, that's a, for me, that's amazing. I'm so excited. That's the direction I want to go. And, uh, uh, and uh, we are also going to, obviously, because of that, uh, I, I took a, a stand with my company that to, we are banning every plastic in the, in the, in the, in the office. So when you go uh, order food, make sure that it's all recyclable, cardboard, thing, things that are easy and plastic out of the way. And, and we're going to also uh, partner with a uh, foundation like Pure Oceans uh, and so on to make sure that not only we clean the ocean, but also we're going to study, I mean, not me personally, but we're funding uh, a research to use the natural resource of the ocean to, uh, to manufacture and to substitute the plastic. That's so important and amazing because, you know, sustainability is everything. If we can't sustain it for our children and their children, then what happens next? Exactly. And that's a, a big, for me, it's a big, big, big uh, project. Okay. And so we're running out of time. I could talk to you all day. This is so interesting especially as someone who likes long hair. Um, but I have a couple of quick practical questions to ask you. So for those of our audience members who are listening, um, what are some quick and easy hair do's and don'ts, like some tips about your hair that they can, um, that they can integrate into their lives that are not too expensive? If they can't come and see you, then what are a couple of things they can do that are healthy for their hair? First, in the shower already because we always go every day in the shower, is to make sure that you alternate your shampoo, not always the same shampoo. So for instance, if you have color-treated hair, you do a shampoo for color-treated hair one day, and the next day maybe you do a shampoo for shine or volume, whatever. You alternate. That's number one, to make sure your pH doesn't get uh, stagnant. Then second of all, never put the shampoo, too much shampoo all over the hair. You concentrate your shampoo on the scalp, massage the scalp, and then the shampoo will rinse out throughout the hair. That's very important. Rinse it always well. Never leave shampoo on your hair. And then when you add a conditioner or a treatment, do not put the conditioner or treatment on the roots, always on the ends. That's a very important thing. And then uh, there's other tips uh, uh, that uh, are important. When you uh, coloring your hair, if you do uh, highlight or so on, let's make sure that you don't overdo it. Because 
you're always going to have a next time. You're always going to so you you keep keep doing too much and it the hair becomes too overprocessed. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here and um, as a as a thank you, we're gonna you have educated me so much about hair. We're gonna like help you with your skin, and I'm gonna gift thank you a bunch you. of products. Absolutely. Um, and tell everyone where we can find you. You know, um, on freelifefikai.com and also at Ulta uh, and uh, Target. So uh, and uh, and Amazon Luxury. Okay, amazing. Well, we can't wait to see all of the exciting things that you do next. Thank you.